fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection. Infantry Trooper. Codename Grunt. Bazooka Soldier. Codename Zap. Motor Soldier. Codename Short Fuse. Laser Rifle Trooper. Codename Flash Ranger. Codename Stalker. Communications Officer. Codename Breaker. Machine Gunner. Codename Rock and Roll. Counterintelligence. Codename Scarlet Commando. Codename Snake Eyes. Each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. Paul, over to you. Cool, on to my 13. Okay, I'm taking it from the writing them as a character-based story standpoint. Not so much into the figure line as Steven had gone into, but very, very cool take on it, and I like where you came from with that. I actually didn't even consider thinking of them as figure releases. I was just thinking more from a story point of view. We've got the, the regulars out of the way. We mentioned Hawk earlier. Uh, we mentioned Stalker earlier, and we've mentioned Snake Eyes. Where I'm going to rest with Snake Eyes on is... If he had to be part of my original 13, how I would write him in as Snake Eyes would still be speaking, he would still also be a commando, and he wouldn't quite be a ninja yet. And that's how I would put him into my original 13. As a character who has got some, you know, definable weaknesses, I would actually probably have Snake Eyes as the more junior member of the team, uh, having served under Stalker and, you know, come out of that, you know, that whole, like, you know, firefight. And then also wanting to be in seclusion after dealing with the trauma, a trauma of losing his family. But instead of having the accident which, you know, took away his voice and Scotty's face. Although I think the scarring of his face only comes a little bit later with Scarlet, if I'm not mistaken, eh, Steve? You're correct. But uh, this is an interesting, I suppose, revision of the character. Uh, can I ask why, Paul? I suppose these are things that you want to develop within the new comic book well, okay, the, the problem with um, Snake Eyes for me, uh, and I'm sure a lot of fans feel this way at the moment, currently, um, Snake Eyes is really cool. He is very much a superhero without being a superhero. Um, that is the one place where I'm having a problem with him. And he is a little bit of a Mary Sue in that Snake Eyes doesn't seem to do anything wrong in the modern um, storylines of Snake Eyes. Uh, okay, I know that there's a whole storyline that I haven't checked out now, and I know... There's a whole bunch of stuff, he, you know, he gets brainwashed or whatever again. But I just find that he is, uh, to to have him as a, as a character and develop him through the storyline, to, to turn him into a total badass, uh, I think would be a lot more interesting, especially if it's coming off maybe the, the, the heels of already having had the original, uh, a real American hero line. Um, I would, yeah, I would want to develop the eight guys. I'd want to give him a bit of that character and then maybe have something happen to him halfway through and then have him commit to the ninja training and meeting up with um, Storm Shadow. Uh, so in other words, Thomas Arashikage, Snake Eyes and Stalker them served together. It was only Snake Eyes and Stalker served together. And the reason that Snake Eyes is on the team is because of his merits as a soldier, that he's a really, really great soldier and uh, that he's really earned his position as Stalker's first pick for the team. So that's where Snake Eyes would be in my original 13. <laughs> oh, buddy. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I mean, you realize all the cool backstory elements of, of Snake Eyes were simply products of Larry Harmer's lack of forward thinking. Of course. Like I mean, he, and he, that's the beauty of it. You know? It's like the Star Wars trilogy. We start in the middle, and then the backstory gets filled in eventually. Yeah, uh, and the thing is, I'm also coming across as a fan of the Snake Eyes Declassified um, miniseries that they did, because I kind of like 
where they were going with the character. I mean, he was actually kind of broken. I'm sorry for spoilers here, guys, but I thought his, um, the early connection with Cobra Commander was a little bit odd, but it was cool. It had a place in there, and it was an interesting read, and I suppose that's what got me thinking about Snake Eyes differently, and yeah, although I love the ninja side, of, the ninja aspect of Snake Eyes, I really, really love the ninja aspect. Having started martial arts again, you know, there's a lot of discipline involved, and there's a lot of control and training, and I think it just would be very interesting to see Snake Eyes being challenged. You know, it's something that we don't really we don't really see with him. It's kind of the same thing with Superman. You get a character, he's so cool and so good at what he does, he's very seldom challenged. Larry Hammond did a very good job of that in the original line, having him trapped in with Dr. Venom and... Quinn. And Quinn. Mm-hmm. And that was very cool. But then we never really saw too many stories after that where Snake Eyes is very vulnerable. Yeah, he gets brainwashed and all of that stuff, but you knew that he wasn't going to die. You knew that he was invincible. And I would kind of take it from the angle of, wow, this character might actually die, being the younger member or the, the more sort of rookie member of the team. I Another just find character. it interesting that he'd have a voice to start out with. Well, that's the other thing. The dynamic I would create is, I, I also like, they did this in G.I. Joe vs. Transformers, is they, uh, when they rewrote the sort of origin of the 13 and how they mixed up with the Transformers, they sort of painted Snake Eyes as a bit of a joker, as a practical joker. And, and yeah, but he didn't say anything. Funny. He didn't say anything, buddy. <laughs> no, he didn't, but they mentioned it. See, the way that they, they sort of mentioned it in there, like, you know, he's always a joker or something. You know, like, and I can go back into it and have a look at it again, but it stuck with me. And maybe maybe the memory is distorted, and, and it turned into that, I don't know, maybe it's a preferential memory. But, yeah, that, I kind of like that idea. I kind of, I, It kind of makes it more tragic, you know, when he loses his voice. And he becomes... Yeah. You know, they, 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 did a, they did a tragedy in like a quarter of an act because of the constraints of, of time within that book and so many characters to deal with. Snake Eyes had his scarring injury and then became a ninja commando within like a flick of a page. Exactly. So, I hope that in your reboot you take a bit more time to get to that point. Well, the thing is, I would probably do it as the scarring and the loss of his voice would be the things that frustrate him and he would have to leave the team obviously because he's psychologically unstable and then he would meet Thomas Arashikage or something by chance um, mm. I don't know how to write that you know I don't think of it that far but and then he would go they could still training. be old war buddies they could still they be could old be, maybe they could have been old war buddies like you know, but it's just it's something you know I'd play around with you know I'd try to find a cool blend a good way of mixing the two you know well, I hope your readership sticks with you long enough for that to play out, because... Yeah, I know, it, it is a gamble. This is, and this is why we have these discussions, because this is stuff that may or may not ever happen, you know? Oh, no, it didn't happen. This is all just happening in our heads. <laughs> exactly. Another character... Okay, we mentioned Tunnel Rat, and I'm, I did mention earlier why I want Tunnel Rat in there, because he brings a great sense of spirit to the team, a great sort of morale booster for when things are really down and dark. And I enjoy characters like that, so I'm not going to dwell too much on him right now. But yeah, so we got, just to recap, Hawk, Stalker, Snake Eyes, and Tunnel Rat. Okay, and now we start getting into the more interesting line of characters. For starters, Spirit. Um, <laughs> yes, I know. I, I, I like, uh, I've always liked Spirit. Um, Someone's coming. Him in the, uh, to be quite cool in the comic, he's a little bit kooky. But as a character, he's a tracker. Oh, in his file card, they mention he's a tracker. 
And I think a specialist team like this would need somebody who is that in touch with the environment, so to speak. And when I say the environment, I don't mean like, oh, dude, save the environment, yo. I mean somebody who's, who understands, you know, how to get them out of the bush if they're really stuck in. I mean, every soldier is trained with tracking ability, with a base tracking ability. Somebody like Spirit is hyper, you know, is, is sort of talented in that regard. And he's been trained it's almost like a birthright. It's within his culture, you know. So, yeah, this is a character that could help feed the team. It's sort of spiritual side to him that tends to make him very calm. And I find that that would be a great equalizer in a team, especially when you're really stressed and you're moving through. This is the guy that's going to help. He will say these, like, kooky lines, you know, and, and, you know, dish out wisdom here and there. And some guys may not appreciate it, but, you know, when you in, in a, well, when you spirit, excuse me, uh, pardon the pun, but it's kind of a spiritual connection. He is a character that can offer sort of a, a solace. And plus, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's ranger, tra- uh, ranger training or American Special Forces training. A lot of the survival training from that is actually based on Apache and Navajo Indian uh, or Native American survival techniques. And that actually know. goes into their formal training. And I just see Spirit as maybe being somebody who was an instructor or you know, maybe a, you know, he was just somebody in a team and he's done exceptionally well and he's well known for being a great tracker. And if this is a team that's being assembled to hunt terrorists and to take out special, you know, teams or special groups of, you know, radicals, you would need a really great tracker on your team. Aside from guys like Stalker, who, who have also got, you know, ranger training. Well, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Stalker is ranger trained, yeah. Yep. And then another character to fall into the same line is Beachhead. Huh. I love Beachhead. Beachhead uh, Stalker and Beachhead on the team. Yep. Okay. I know character-wise they're polar opposites, but in terms yep. of what they bring specialties-wise, aren't they just, as I say, shadows of one another? They are kind of shadows of one another, but it's the characters that I'm going for. And because they're very similar and they've got the same kind of training, uh, I do find that Beachhead is more... He finds his comfort in being a disciplinarian in the sense, or at least in my mind, he finds comfort in being a disciplinarian because this is a guy that's a, he's a bit of a drill instructor, he's also not a soft-spoken man, and he's also very obsessed with jungle survival and being a great soldier, you know, to the point where they talk about how he has a bad body odor because they can smell him in the room, they can smell him from, you know, three blocks away kind of thing, but that's, but when he's in the jungle, he harmonizes with that, and that's, you know, I like that. I think as an obsessive personality, he's very cool. I also think when it comes to talking tactics or when it comes to dealing with certain situations, it's not a bad idea to have two characters that disagree with each other. Stalker coming from, you know, his point of view, his methodology, his experience, and Beachhead sort of disciplinarian, you know, keep things together, blend in with the jungle. You know, I'm like this hard-ass soldier, and I find that Beachhead also probably struggles with being a human being. So, Yeah, quite abrasive. Yeah, I think he's a bit of a social outcast within the team. You know, like, they get him, they dig him, but, you know, he's kind of like he sits at the table with you in the mess and you're like, oh, okay, Beachhead's here, so uh, what do we say? <laughs> kind of thing, and then everybody sort of skeets silently because sure. they don't know what to say to Beach. But when the trips are down, he's a really great guy to have on your team. And also, this is not a team where all 13 are going to go into a mission at once. This is a team where they're going to break it into four-man fire teams. And having somebody who is as disciplined 
as Beachhead and somebody who is a skilled stalker being on two separate teams needing two separate fire teams is a good idea. Would you characterize your team as very infantry-based in that regard? Yeah, if my you... guys are, I mean, you, as I get more into them, yeah, I'm thinking of my guys as more of a foot soldier-like team, a team that, you know, they, they, they're ground pounders. Right. Yeah, so I got the Rangers lead the way motto in my head <laughs> when I was coming up with the team. Cool, cool. So, so uh, a, a team of, of ground pounders. Yeah, look, I, I must admit that was a consideration that I had. But then I thought, ah, oh, man, you got to jam those, those cool vehicles and equipment into the initial line. So I went with diversity as opposed to, like, a team that would, in the real world, work together to accomplish a ground-based objective. Well, that's the thing, you know, like, and that's where the difference between where you and I are coming from. I mean, when you were coming up with it as, as a toy line, having that diversity is to the benefit of the toy line. Because you've got a, a wider range of characters to sell um, because of their different specialities. Oh, tell me more. Tell me more. Come on. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, add a woman's touch to the team. I went with Lady J. Why? Why? Because when I, whenever I explain somebody, uh, Scarlet to somebody, whenever they ask me, she always comes across as well as a bit of a, you know, a Mary Sue. She's, she's like top of her class. You know, she's really, really intelligent. She's really deadly. She is a little arrogant. She's cold. You know, throughout her whole life, she's always had competition and people being jealous of her. And, you know, she's very guarded and all that. And I've always found it to be like the, the girl version of Snake Eyes and also to be Snake Eyes' voice. But in saying that, Scarlett has had a very cool personality. As I mentioned before, she's cold. She is guarded. All of these things, these are great traits. These are things that stop her from being a Mary Sue to a degree. They stop her from being a damsel in distress. They stop her from being a, a woman who is obsessed with being a woman in the military. She's um, a COVID operative, and she's got the, the ninja whammer jammer to her, and that's cool. But for this team, I wanted to try and avoid the ninjiness in the beginning. And I thought it would be a great thing if maybe Scarlet was introduced later, you know, as maybe one of the pupils that is being trained by the same people who are going to train Snake Eyes. Um, Interesting. You know, yeah, so that would be a great way to bring her dynamic in. Or when Snake Eyes comes back, he goes, oh, by the way, I found, like, this deadly redhead, you know, man-killer, you know? <laughs> okay, so this is the reason why Scarlet didn't make the pick, but why then Lady J? Were you picking Lady J as a reaction out of why you didn't want Scarlet in, or does Lady J in and of herself bring something that you wanted? Lady J is military. Um, whereas I feel Scarlet is not. Uh, that's the first thing. Lady J. Buddy, you are being purely motivated by her outfit. No, not just that. She's a spy. That's what she was trained as a spy. That's uh, she worked for intelligence. She's an intelligence officer. That's what she does. Who, Lady J or Scarlet? No, but she's counterintelligence. But I mean, no, no, no. Know, Lady J is the spy. She's the linguist who can. Let me go. Hang on. Okay, so let me get this straight. You didn't want Scarlet because she's a covert operative, or counterintelligence operative, whereas you wanted someone more military. Yeah, but Scarlet is also a little bit ninja. That's the, the problem. You know, she's got that ninja-ness to her. That, that is where, where more of my issue lies with her when it comes to her sort of counterintelligence side of things. I think you're definitely coloring Scarlet a little bit by her later appearances. 
when she sort of went on missions with Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes and seemed to be very ninja oriented. Well, I'm there in the comic books at the moment, so it's possible, you know. Uh, I'm getting there anyway. I mean, she hasn't hit Green Leotard yet, but, you know, I'm getting there. <sighs> but, but she definitely had all the military training to be walking around barracks with her greens on. No, totally. They just chose a very different character sheet just to make her pop a little bit more as a female soldier. Which I appreciate. Listen, I'm, I'm very much a fan of the blue leotard. But <laughs> but I know what you mean. I'm just, you know, being facetious. Okay, okay. Well, let's get back, back on topic here. I mean, why Lady J? Okay, like I mentioned, Lady J is a bit more military. Um, why? Because she just... I, I just feel like when I... Because I she's wearing time, green, buddy. Just yeah, say it. Just because green, she's wearing green. green. You've, 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 also, it stems from the cartoon series as well. And, yeah, it does stem from how she looks as a figure. I was like, oh, there we go. That's an army girl, you know, <laughs> in my head. And I've always just dug the character. And I, I feel in my original 13, her personality is a lot... She's a lot more open and a lot more sort of jovial than, than Scarlet can be. Okay. Um, She's a bit more wisecracking, and she would be an interesting team member. She would add a bit of girl power to the team in, in terms of character and personality. Well, no, no, hang on. Scarlet, by being older and a little bit less jovial, doesn't make her any less of a character. Don't no, confuse the two No, but it just makes bits. her a bit of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So you want a nice get-along gang, in other words. I want a team that functions, because when you hear some of my other entries, you'll see why... I want her, like, in here, you know? Okay, okay, sorry. Also, her, her background, in terms of being an intelligence officer, the way I kind of do it is, there's a secret team that's being formed, and she wants in. She wants to go back to doing what she did before she was a sport. She wants to incorporate what she's learned till now into something that does function more as a team. Being somebody that's an intelligence officer, you often work by yourself. And I just thought it would be a great, you know, here's a gap, you know, I'm thinking I'm Lady J and here's this like opportunity to work with a team of people and to do what I do really well but for maybe the last five years of her active service has been observation you know as opposed to getting in there maybe she just wants to shoot a few people you know I would have a sense the spears by the way I, I think the spears are a nice gimmick and all but I'd, I'd load her up with different kind of tools uh, and yeah maybe she would take on the role of the, the hot chick in a nightgown Sussing out information, getting into uh, intelligence, that kind of thing. Another team member, okay, you mentioned him earlier. Yeah, okay, well, just before you change from the topic <laughs> of Lady J, I think in order to assist her being the covert ops girl, having her in her military greens is the wrong choice. That doesn't yeah, really true. bring out the fact that she's a deep cover operative, that she then, can... I mean, the file card goes into detail about how she can look perfectly comfortable squatting in some Middle Eastern market under a veil. She can pull off being a local in so many far-flung parts of the world. One of Lady J's many talents. So I think having her in this military green is such a contradiction. I mean, as a figure, you need something that speaks to her deep cover speciality. Oh, true. But that's why I'm going more in terms of character. <laughs> okay, Paul. Fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, the next one. And also, just, you know, before we go further, the original 13 is clad in green. Except for Scarlet. 
except for Scarlet with her yellow helmet. Uh, and Snake Eyes. And he's black. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, carrying on. <laughs> Another team member is Snowjob. Yes, Snowjob. Steve? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Well, you just like... Oh, did he really mention Snowjob? Yeah, I am like that. I mean, you agreed with me initially about... No, no, I... Environment-specific Joes. Or did you? Okay. Snowjob as a character is a, a con artist. Uh, as the file card says, he's... Uh, or as... Is it rock and roll that says it in the file card? He is not called Snowjob because he's a winter... or well, cold weather specialist. He's Snowjob because he's always ready to pull the wool over your eyes and really get you in deep. A character like Snowjob is cool because... Firstly, he is a specialist at what he does. Being a winter, you know, the whole cold weather operations dude and having the Olympic accreditation behind him and being, you know, an expert marksman, which is very cool. And those are the things that, you know, could benefit a team. But the reason I want him in there is I love that whole fact that if he's on your team and you have to go somewhere cold, like uh, an Arctic base or something like that, and you have to go under the leadership of Snowjob, and for the team, it kind of creates, well, there's a lot of doubt because here's a character who loves to do stuff for the yucks. You don't know if he's, if you're completely safe with him. And it kind of makes him a bit of a wild card for me as a character and kind of enjoyable. He also, also strikes me as the type that he's really good at what he does when he's in his element. But as soon as he's out of his element, he can be a bit of a, uh, an asshole. They they listed it, uh, it I suppose it was uh, in the, one of the more recent IDW launches where they have him rocking up in some really hot town and he's shooting at a bunch of guys and he's really uncomfortable and a bit grouchy and kind of throughout the issue longs to be in the cold again. And I just think it would just be cool to have him. He's, he's the cold weather specialist. And I know that I kind of was jumping between guys because Snowjob is the, the character that could have been swapped out and... For the listeners out there, I was considering having a um, shipwreck in instead of him because of the naval side of shipwreck. Shipwreck has also got a similar demeanor. He's also the kind of guy who wanted to let you live it down. You know, if you botched the shot or if he had to pull your ass out of the fire, he would rag on you for the next three or four weeks after that. You'd be like, yeah, remember that, uh, you know, operation and yeah, yeah, you got your ass pretty shot up, didn't you? You know, that kind of thing. He would always rag you on it. And, yeah, this would be the kind of character where, yes, the get-along gang, as I put it in my head, wouldn't get along uh, with him so well. So he would have to earn their respect a lot of the time. So that's why I put him in there. So that everybody's not best friends, you know what I mean? Sure, man. I can so, I can dig that. It just uh, does fly in the face of your G.I. Joe team being very infantry-based and being able to put together the two-man fire teams. You've now got, like, a very specialized Arctic trooper. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, they would, you know, like, the thing is, like, they would need somebody like them. And and we're going to get into this a little bit later on, um, and not that far down the line, but I'm going to get into it with uh, regards to peripheral characters and things like that. But let me just stay on my original target. On to another character. You've got him, too. Well, you mentioned somebody similar. Um, I'm going to go with Mainframe for mine. Firstly, he's a veteran, so he's got a lot of years of experience behind him. He's also a character who could have earned his place um, in the team. Out of, you know, like sheer hard work, he was probably handpicked. And he's also a techie. And a team like this does need a techie. It does need somebody who can 
help coordinate operations. Uh, if you've got a two-man fire team on the ground and somebody like Hawk needs to monitor both, you've got a guy like Mainframe. You've got a guy like Mainframe to run uh, electronic countermeasures uh, when it comes to hacking into an enemy base or controlling things via computer to help the team get in or get out uh, and stuff like that. Because, I mean, this is a team that's not always going to function in the jungle. They're going to function in urban terrain. They're going to function in buildings. You know, they might have to, you know, raid a Cobra business front. And this is a guy that's going to help them get the doors open and stuff like that. So he's going to be a on-the-ground and off-the-ground member. And I like Mainframe. He's very cool. Um, I think the first time I was really, like, I introduced Mainframe as a full-on character was actually in the cartoon series uh, when there's that whole thing between him and Serata. And uh, I know that I got to getting into him a lot, a lot more, and I was like, yeah, this is the dude I want to be my, my tech guy in my team. Is I he mean, a little bit older? Is he a little bit yeah. older than the average age of the rest of the Joes? That's right, he is. And, you know, you and I both know when you deal with geeks that are a little bit older, they have this whole, like, know-it-all thing. So, like, oh, you know, it was so much cooler when I was younger and, you know, computers were, like, just invented and, like, you know, you had to, like, you know, manually put the ink in the printer and, you know, that kind of thing. So he's that kind of guy. He's the, he really, he really knows what he's doing and he's really good at keeping himself updated, but at the same time, he'd kind of be like the, yeah, you guys have it easy kind of thing, you know? And the file cards typically always, whenever they dealt with a, a technical specialist on the Joe team, they always make sure to mention that they really earned their place on the team out in the field. Like, whether it's mainframe or breaker or scoop, there's always an element of circumspection about a guy who is hauling a lot of technical equipment and not a great deal of firepower, but each of them have distinguished themselves as soldiers, first and foremost. I mean, with mainframe, it says that he served the last tour of duty in Vietnam, went to Silicon Valley, made some bucks, and then decided to re-enlist and become a soldier again. And that's when the G.I. Joe team snapped him up. So yeah, he's definitely a veteran. Yeah, and this is a guy who wants to be in the action. He feels that using his intelligence and his ability is going to benefit protecting freedom or defending other shores from Cobra or... (laughs) You this is a man it. who's decided that that's what he wants to do. And a, and a, a great soldier is a willing soldier. So cool. So definitely strong addition there. Um, I see sword between him and Breaker. I chose Breaker because of Breaker's characterization and him being a, a junior. You went with Mainframe because of him being a senior. Senior. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because you've put light on Breaker that, you know, and, and you've shown some things in his character that I've never considered. He speaks uh, more languages than Mainframe does. Nah, 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 nah. Oh, and one, one inconsistency, though, buddy. Yeah. When we talk about Mainframe being a veteran, that's almost exclusively the comic and file card characterizations of him. Yes. But when he's exposed to us in the cartoon and having a love interest with a pink-haired girl, I think the cartoon writers kind of pegged him a lot younger. Yeah. But hey... Whatever. Uh, I agree with you. Um, especially, I mean, I watch the, the show often enough to, to like sort of see where they, you know, throw character ideas around or make things just suit them for that episode. So, yeah, I mean, but that's why a bit of more, uh, a bit of extra digging on the character, and also, I mean, we had a chat about it a while ago as well, and 
yeah, you know, you mentioned some things about him. And I was like, yeah, this guy's actually really cool. And yeah, he's my techie. <laughs> Sweet. Okay, on to another team, uh, team member. Okay, he's in here. One of the main reasons he's in here is he's one of my favorite Joes. I think this guy. Uh, Low Light. Nice. Low Light is so cool. Every time I saw the toy when I was younger, I always wanted it. When they released him for 25th or POC, I was like, wow, I had to have one. I'm sure a lot of you listeners out there felt the same. But yeah, he is the sniper. I mean, from Larry Hammer's mouth, you know, to, onto Facebook, or from his hands onto Facebook, uh, his reply to that fan's question was, he would have lowlights watching his back any day. Lowlight is solid. Uh, he's a solid member of the team. He's intelligent, uh, not just from the sniping point of view. He he's responsible for a lot of the night ops, all the night gear that he that he uses, uh, especially the optical stuff, as mentioned in the file card. He is uh, an exceptionally great sniper. He is accustomed to urban environments, which is pretty cool. Uh, it does give him a subtle weakness in the jungle, but that is why we have characters like Beachhead uh, in My13 and characters like Stalker, because these are the guys that are, that are going to keep him safe and him trained. But at the same time, I'm sure before Lolite was drafted, he was probably advised to do some kind of jungle survival or something uh, when he was you know, brought into my original 13. He's a great character. He's got a great demeanor. He's one of those people where if, he, if you're in the mess, you can chat to him. He'll make for great conversation. He will never really let you in from a psychological point of view. He'll never let you in. You'll never really know too much about him, but you'll never be able to say anything bad about him because he's always a great person to chat to. He would even get on well with characters like Beachhead and with Snowjob, and would probably give Snowjob a run for his money in terms of the hazing, uh, uh, because he's pretty sneaky. And also, he's, he's past the whole fear of the dark thing. I think it adds a great psychological element to his character as well. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, one of the main reasons he became a night ops dude, or as they say, is because, you know, his dad left him out in the dark, because he was afraid of the dark, and then he managed to survive, and sort himself out, and that's emotion therapy, but maybe the way that it was done to him is a bit abusive. So I think, yeah, maybe he, he's also a character that feels, well, this is his lot in life, and he's going to do the best he can, and he probably resents his father quite a bit. So him being this, like, top dude in the military, especially in a special forces operation, where maybe you have to disavow your identity, you know, you have to give up on being a human, you have to be dead to the world. Maybe this was a good way for him to get away from things in his life that were uncool. And yeah, so here he is. He's our solid sniper on our team. And yeah, I want him there. Sweet. Sweet. And also, yeah, he's just, he's just cool. I mean, like, even on a figure point of view, I mean, if it had to, if, this, if my line had to be released as toys, I'd pick up low light in a heartbeat. So. You know uh, that his file card doesn't list him as a sniper? Yes, weird that. But he just comes with sniper rifles, and, you know, so we just make him a sniper. It's weird. <laughs> I think it was a legality. If I was to hazard a guess, I'd say that a toy company couldn't get away with a character's speciality being sniper. Because what do snipers do? They hunt human beings, man. That's yeah, what that's they true. do. That is their function. There's no way around it. By being an infantryman, it's general enough for it to catch all the elements of being a soldier, like jumping out of a helicopter, or running across the field, or marching, or going on parade. So there are all these very non-violent things that infantrymen can do. 
But if you yeah. are specifically pegged as a sniper, there's not a great deal of explaining away that they can do. Yeah, you kill for a living. You're out there to put a human being in your crosshairs and make them go away. And the thing is, with uh, being a sniper, you know that you hit him. It's not like a, a, maybe your stray shot got him while you were getting out of the like the AO or whatever. You know for a fact that you killed whoever was in your crosshairs. I mean, there's that, that, sna- uh, that saying that's pretty popular. If you run from a sniper, you'll only die tired. <laughs> okay, I haven't heard that one before, but that's a goodie. No, it's quite, yeah, it's quite cool. I, uh, I must admit, I do appreciate it. <laughs> cool, man. Okay, on to my next team, uh, Doc. Well, it was between Doc and Lifeline, and Lifeline is too much of a pacifist to put into my original 13. I would imagine when this team was drafted, nobody wanted a diehard pacifist on their team. They were like, this guy's going to cause uh, complications. He's just, he's, he's an argument waiting to happen, and we can't have arguments in a unit that is this tight. So I went with Doc. To me, Doc comes across as having a lot of field experience. He's not scared to pull a gun. He's not necessarily going to go out there and kill stuff, but he's he's a necessary portion to this team. He's somebody who would have to you know patch you up. I'm sure anybody who's gone on the field can tell you the value of a field medic. They are very brave. They never get a chance to rest in a comfort zone. They always have to be where the action is. And I was watching a documentary, and they're just talking about how field medics see some uh, one of the um, the units that see the most action because they are always out there. They are always seeing you know, atrocities up close. And, yeah, whether it's, you know, a civilian or um, a military, you know, like one of your, your squad mates, you know, they have to help. And, yeah, a, a character like that has got a lot of determination. And I think in terms of his characterization, having him in my team would be the, now there's the guy that will do the right thing no matter how hard it gets. And that would be a, a character that in this team dynamic, they would look up to him and be like, yeah, Doc never gives up. Doc is always there for us. You know, Doc is also somebody who would probably get a lot of um, points within the team. I mean, nobody would ever say anything bad about Doc because, you know, you never know when you're going to be on his table, that kind of thing. Are you aware, though, that you already have a medic in your team? Don't you mean Stalker? I do mean Stalker. Or Spirit? Well, both, in fact. But but, uh, Stalker, actually, within his... um, military specialty, I think it's his second military specialty, is medic and interpreter. I mean, he speaks French, Swahili, Spanish, uh, Arabic? No, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, he speaks a few languages as well. Went to Special Forces Language School. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the so fact is, the, the fact is he's that. also a medic, a field medic. Yeah. So you would have an additional field medic in dock and one that wouldn't use a weapon. Well, the thing is, yeah, Doc is more. Uh, Doc has kind of got a lot more teeth than somebody who wouldn't use a weapon. I think Doc is somebody who would use a gun if needed to be. Uh, I don't think Lifeline would, but I think Doc is kind of the guy that, when push comes to shove, also Doc is somebody who is his primary focus. It's uh, he is a film medic, and on top of that. Somebody like um, Spurt and Stalker, I think, are more, um, okay, you've been shot, you've been cut, you've broken the leg, whatever, they can fix it. But when you're being, like, attacked by, you know, Cobra and, you know, somebody slipped and, like, broken their ankle or they've taken a hit and it's 
dude that's taken a hit, for example, and basically the, the line between you and the enemy is stalker providing fire or return fire, having somebody like Doc mending you and putting you back together is cool because then somebody like stalker can focus on combat. It's not always a moral choice of, oh, um, I should be saving him. I should be pulling him out of the, the battleground, you know, at least now it's a, cool, let me carry on driving them back, and Doc's got our man, so, you know, he's in good hands, I don't have to worry, you know, and, and that is why I want Doc there, because Doc is the dude, you know, he's the guy, and whether Doc is pounding the ground with him, or if he's in a um, support chopper, Doc is there, you know, and, and I think that, knowing that. Okay, on to um, the second last member of my original 13. Um, he's a character, I think, is... Um, creates a bit of uh, contro- well, not controversy. I think it's, it's very much a character that there are some that love him and some that really hate him, but I'm a big fan of Roadblock. I think the team needs a seriously badass, you know, tactical gunner, infantry gunner rather, and uh, because I haven't got a rock and roll in my squad, a good fill-in for that would be Roadblock. Well, some might argue that Roadblock is a better fill-in for rock and roll. Well, that's the thing. Um, I mean, I dig rock and roll, I think he's such a cool character, especially from a figure point of view. But, I don't know, I just, uh, I've always dug Roadblock. I've always had a soft spot for the character. I've, I've always found him to be pretty cool. He's, his demeanor is awesome as well. He's he's always, like, also lighthearted, but he's a giant of a man. And I also like some of the mysticism behind him. I mean, the fact that he can handle two Marduce, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty cool. Coming back to his uh, in- enormous size and... <laughs> And physical strength. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, this is a character, or, yeah, this is a character that you want, or a guy that you want in a really, like, tough situation. I mean, you know, he, he's not called Roadblock for nothing, and I think he would be a great addition to the, to the original 13. Plus, he's um, quite extensively used in the comic book and the cartoon, maybe much to many's disappointment in the cartoon, because, you know, he's always spewing out some kind of silly rhyme. But he's a cool character, and I also I really love the the way that they portrayed him in Renegades as well. It was a cool twist on him, sort of alluding to a more a softer kind of uh, personality. Somebody you know normally you you get characters that are that big and they just want to destroy all their gentle giants. And I think Roadblock is one of the original gentle giants in in comics, and I dig him. I have to have him on my thirteen. And I don't think there's much else that somebody can say about Roadblock because he's such a well-known and such a well-loved character. It's just a great little line in Roadblock's introductory issue that Rock and Roll actually has. He says, yeah. Roadblock, glad to see you. I'm Rock and Roll. That was some fine shooting you did there. I mean it. Most guys can't even lift a fully loaded 50, let alone knock down an attack plane with one. You must be the proverbial baddest dude on the block. And uh, what else does he say? Oh, yeah. You've got to be a new Joe. Because if the bad guys can handhold a 50 caliber Browning, I'm giving up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know. I mean, I've always had this idea if I had to um, start off a book or uh, as a test for comic pages, I've got a, I've actually got to test a few pages where I've got Rock and Roll, uh, he's opening fire, and it's actually a dialogue between two <laughs> Cobra Vipers hiding behind a rock. They're kind of like, oh, not this guy again, <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Yeah, he's just such a force. I, I think very few G.I. Joes come across like Roadblock does, and in the eyes of Cobra, I think he's quite a frightening behemoth to behold. I've got to ask, though, does he rhyme? No, in mine he does not rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a shame. 
<laughs> what a shame. <laughs> I'm sure many would argue with you on that. I don't know. I, I think a lot of people regard that as quintessentially Roadblock. Road- I, I, I think his rhymes would be a lot smarter. I've actually kind of got him quoting, uh, in my mind, I've sort of got, got him quoting, uh, I know that's going to sound a bit lame, but poetry. Uh, it gives the character a little bit more of a brain so that people don't immediately think he's, you know, kind of like what they do with Beast. Beast, uh, when you look at Beast from the X-Men, you know, on first sight, you're kind of like, oh, well, he's a big beastly guy. And then he starts quoting... Voltaire. Voltaire and Hemingway and stuff. (laughs) And that's cool because that adds to the the intelligence of the character and it makes him cooler. I don't know regarded Roadblock as a super intelligent character. But that's kind of like how that's how I want him, though. You know, like, I want him to be this, like, the smart guy, you know? To be the sophisticated giant. A slightly, yeah, the sophisticated giant. Maybe he came from a, a background where he was always, like, pushed towards academics and maybe joining the army is his way of rebelling. Because in the original file card, he wasn't a big fan of all... He originally did not want to enlist, you know, but he enlisted because it had helped, helped him get through um, Escofia school, you know? Sure. Part of my pronunciation. I forgive so, that, man. I have no idea how to pronounce that word. And then my last member, and this is, I, I'm expecting shock and awe. Okay. Wait for it. Dramatic pause. Yeah, I'm standing well back. Zartan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah I, thought, Zartan... I thought I was being cool by slipping Psych out in there, but you just took the cake, buddy. <laughs> oh, no, dude. I think Psych out is a really, I mean, you got me, like, hooked on the character now. I, I, I did a bit of digging today. But very quickly, I couldn't. Re- I didn't really have time. To Psychart as he stands, I'm thinking of the potential that he could have. Exactly. A you know, and talented writer's hands. But anyway, well, anyway, Zartan, man. Let me not Why Zartan? Okay, Zartan is in himself uh, an enigma. Uh, I'd paint him in as my enigma character, but he would be enlisted as some kind of. I don't know, maybe military intelligence, or maybe not a military intelligence, uh, maybe more like a, you know, recon-style infantry guy, whatever. He'd be brought in because he's the best of the best, and he's really good, you know, one of his character traits would be he's really good at getting into places, and he's really good at blending in with the surroundings, that kind of, you know, like, add that kind of thing to him. And then I'd build it into, he's the guy that's, in my story, Cobra's already established working under behind the scenes and have been for about a few, uh, have been for a few years prior to the, the original thirteen forming, and he would be the agent that is within GI Joe at the moment, and he is sabotaging everything from the inside. The reason I went with Zartan is because Zartan, there's a lot of mystery to his backstory, so he could easily impersonate a really talented military specialist and it could all be part of a big master plan for him to get in, and there would be a lot of money. I would still probably have him as a bit of a merc, but he would probably have more of a drive, like there's a reason why he wants Cobra to succeed, and he would be motivated. I try to build him as a character that people like, so that when his ultimate betrayal comes into the scene, it would be a great, like, impact shock. You know, people would be like, oh, no, wow, Zartan's a bad guy. But I also would be careful with that. I wouldn't actually call him Zartan. I would call him something else. I would give him a, a whole different name entirely so that, you know, people would be like, oh, okay, new Joe, um, and then grow to like him and then turns his back on him and screws him over big time. And 
this would help to further to get the group to be a little bit more paranoid, uh, to realize that, you know, they're not always 100% safe and that it's their job um, to keep the world safe from people like Cobra. So I'd, I'd use that as my, my tactic. But, yeah, that would be my 13th member, Zartan. That's such a cheat, my friend. Such a cheat. It is, it is a bit of a cheat. But, you know, the thing is, I, I thought long and hard about who would be my 13th member. And I couldn't think of anybody. And I was just like, I kept looking at Zartan. And he kept, you know, looking back at me and going, put me in the team. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I put him in the team. I suppose if there is one Cobra who could pull it off, it's Zartan. Yeah, totally. But what would the action figure look like? Well, that's the whole thing. It can't be Zartan's signature look, which is what made the figure so popular. So how do you create a character that would be as enduring and be as well-loved with children as Zartan was without making him look like Zartan? Well, if you look like Zartan, he's not going to look like the 13th member of the Jones. Well, that's what I was thinking of doing, is maybe we make him some kind of Master of the Skies character. You know, we would put in, like, the cool camouflage bits or stuff like that that would make him blend in. And very much like Ambush, uh, and I'm sure a lot of, uh, if you're a long-time listener, you'll know that I'm quite a big fan of the Ambush figurine. And also very much like Mossman from the He-Man line. Uh, he was all clad in felt green. And that was cool. You know, he had the whole camouflage angle. And when I was a kid, I never had Mossman. But a lot of my friends had Mossman just because of that whole felt covering to him. So I would make Zartan a little bit of a gimmick figure to begin with, with all the attachable stuff. And maybe a bit of a Master of Disguise theme, very much like how Hasbro has carried him. Especially now with the removable heads, which is really cool. And then later on, on a possible second release of him, I would give him the more traditional outfit, the the way he wants to be seen and, and noted. And you know what's cool is having a character like Zartan turn his back on the Joes is very reminiscent of the betrayal of with the Arashikage, with um, Zartan being the pawn that's used to kill the Master. It's a different take on that. And also, uh, it gives a character like Snake Eyes, who could maybe befriend him and become quite good friends with him, to feel the betrayal and to appeal to a good side to Zartan's, you know, inner character. And maybe Zartan is uh, labeled the Joes as, as the bad guys and has made Cobra the solution to all of the world's problems because maybe he lost his family violently during some kind of military thing or something where the American military or something was directly involved. So it's just me trying to give the character a different spin and... Uh, yeah, I must admit, it's it's pretty much, uh, for me, it's kind of the linchpin character for me that kind of holds my 13 together. If I didn't have Zartan, I might not have even included Snake Eyes, for example, because I figure if we have two mysterious characters and they, you know, if I'm going to put either one in, I have to totally come up with a, a whole concept for them. Oh, yeah, and my 14th member. Oh, come on, Paul. Yes, I know. I have to upset the apple cart, and I don't know why you don't have a 14th member either. It's a Steel Brigader. It's the original 13. What? Yes, it would be me. You know, when I was like seven, I would be a Steel Brigader. I'd be in there. I'd know ninja stuff. I could fly jets. I could repair vehicles. I'm like a medic. I can blow things up. I can pick up just as many weapons as, as Roadblock can. I can pick up Roadblock. You know? And I would be called Decoy. 
Yeah. Okay. Cool. No, I'm kidding. I Forty five can exist, but I have got the steel brigade here, so I sent my um mail away documents and flag points for a steel brigade figure and yeah. I received zero response. Same same yeah. Uh, well, you know, those them's the breaks, kiddo. We do no. in southern Africa. Well the thing is like Dave and I, um my other buddy, what happened is we ended up making our own file cards. So that was pretty cool. You know, so what but steel brigade file cards like anyway. I'm sure a lot of them read as those ninja, those like fifty thousand like martial arts forms can shoot the eye of a hawk, you know, like eight miles away or a hundred miles away, you know. You had to check certain boxes and there was a strict limitation on how many you could check. Yeah. So they did give you some parameters. You couldn't just have a file card that lists everything. Still, I've never seen a Steel Brigade file card. pro former file card. be interesting to find a sample. I'm sure it exists out there somewhere online. I'm sure on the Evil Bay. Okay, we um, have omitted one very popular character... Perhaps a few more, but off the top of my head, why did Flint not uh, get the nod? <laughs> uh, wow. I-, I considered Flint uh, quite a bit, but I just figured um, between Duke and Flint, it's always Flint for me, um, because I'm just more inclined to enjoy Flint as a character. I think he's more, he's more of a character than Duke is. Duke is a poster child. Um, no offense to Duke fans, but I just feel that he is a bit of a poster child. There's very little substance to him. There are um, fans out there? I've, I've heard of them. Uh, there are fans of Cobra Law out there, dude. I mean, you know, so if there's people that like Cobra Law, there's people that like Duke. And, uh... Why did you know, get such a bad rap? I know this is a topic for another podcast altogether, but seriously, why? I think it's just because he is, he's just a poster child. There's very little substance to his character, where the difference between him and somebody like Snake Eyes is, Snake Eyes has a lot of substance to his character, even though we don't know who he is. Duke is just, Duke, he's just, he's a archetypical soldier. Uh, I always, like, when I was younger, I remember when I got the, the desert, um, Duke, you know, with that rocket launcher that he sat on. <laughs> I, I mostly, I didn't buy that because it was Duke. I bought that because I was like, oh, cool, there's like a regular soldier. I only realized later when I got home that it was actually Duke. Pretty compelling file card. And if they played him out like that file card, that'd be cool. And they tried to. But here's the rub. Because they made Hawk such a, you know, one of the boys kind of soldier leader, Duke really didn't have anything to contrast himself against. Which yeah, is why true. I want Hawk to be a little less of a goody goody, a little less of like one of the boys. I want Hawk to be a valuable character, a character with a few more foils, with a few yeah. more scruples. Duke could have always also been played up as a successor to Hawk, but he was never played up that way. You know, uh, even in the cartoon, Hawk is a successor to Duke. <laughs> you know, so. But the latter half of the original season, or original series, having Hawk in, in command. Uh, so that, that was an error of the writers of the um, the cartoon. They just didn't do their research as far back as 1982. I'm sorry, I, I cannot let you defend 
the cartoon on this point. No, no, I mean, like, in all fairness, but I mean... From the get-go, the only reason they ignored him is because they just didn't do their homework. Well, I've just got to throw this in here, and it's it's actually quite shocking. If you see how they have mauled uh, Hawk in the Deke series, it will shock you. I mean, Michelle, uh, for the listeners out there, my girlfriend, like, she wasn't watching the show. I was watching the show, and she was playing games. And she looked up, uh, because she had heard, like, this really annoying character that sounded like a, like a, a cowardly gimp. And she was like, who's that? And she's like, who's that guy? And I'm like, that's Hawk. She's like, no. You know? So yeah, I mean, the cartoon does mess it up. So don't worry, I'm not gonna go and base anything special on any of the animated series stuff. It's just, the animated series does have an impact on, on the brand as a whole. And okay. Another fan favorite character that we've skipped on is Gung-Ho. Any thoughts on Gung-Ho? Why didn't he find his way into your 13? Maybe he's a bit YMCA for me. Like, whenever somebody used to give me hell about being a Joe fan, uh, Gung-Ho was always the, the image used, or it was always the, the, the brunt of the joke. Like, oh, there's Gung-Ho. Wow, you know, well, your G.I. Joe fandom is totally cool. And I, I must admit, there's very little I can do to defend Gung-Ho, other than say that he's essential to the team. I've never, I just don't feel Gung-Ho as a character much. And even as a figure, I don't actually own a gung-ho figure, which is actually a little distressing, as I mention it. But yeah, I didn't even factor gung-ho when I was thinking of my original 13. just didn't come to me at all. <laughs> I think that's about all the canonic characters that I really have off the top of my head. Uh, Shipwreck never really resonated too much in the comic book. Comic, yeah. He kind of came in and out very briefly. <laughs> Jokes aside, the bad boy of the cartoon, which was interesting, but I think his role could have been easily portrayed by Clutch. Yes, if once again the cartoon writers had done their homework and knew a little bit more about the backstory of GI Joe or the prehistory or the initial characters, but in their defence, they were writing around that particular year's releases. Exactly. They wanted to feature those most prominent. So oftentimes you have missions where you just have Team 1986, like mm-hmm. completely. It was like wetsuit, leatherneck, beachhead, lowlight, mainframe, lifeline, sci-fi. You know, it was in- entirely that year and no one else. Yeah, very true. Leatherneck's another interesting character that he gets a lot of screen time, obviously, in the in the cartoon show. And he's very cool. You know, he's also very military. But then, once again, he is kind of a shadow of characters. Well, actually, not really a shadow. Uh, I suppose Beachhead is a cooler version of Zedanek, for me, personally. Interesting that they were released in the same year. So mm. I suppose Zedanek's stylings were a little bit of a better-designed gung-ho. Yes. His character was a little bit of a Beachhead, really tough as nails, really hard on his teammates kind of guy. Yeah. And also, I mean, he's got that whole um, instructor background to him as well. So, like, Gung-Ho, like, just to, sorry, just to hark back with Gung-Ho again. Um, I do like his personality in the cartoon show. I always thought he was a bit of a, uh, a funny guy. You know, but that just felt like that's all he was, was a funny guy, you know, kind of thing. You know, uh, they did kind of do something cool with him in Resolute, now that I think about it. You know, the the whole, uh, they try to sort of make him 
uh, a compliment to Roadblock, in a way. Yeah, I envision them as being buddies. Yeah, they, they um, would be. They're both tough guys, you know, so... I mean, Gung Ho looks tough. I mean, getting a, a anchor tattoo on on your chest is pretty badass. I mean, you know. Not just an anchor, man. It's a ball and a bird. Oh, yeah, there's that too. See, oh. look at me, the Gung Ho fanboy that I am. <laughs> yeah, it's the Marine Corps tattoo, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Got all the other elements just wrapped up. Marines do it all <laughs> with style. <laughs> If anyone is wondering what happened to our dear friend Robert and why he's <laughs> for this uh, this recording of our podcast, well, let's just say he uh, had a bit too much grape soda over the weekend <laughs> and decided to call him sick. <laughs> If you would like to comment on what you've heard, drop us a line either on gijobo.podbean.com, that's g-i-j-o-b-u-r-g.podbean.com, or a real South African hero.blogspot.com, that's a real South African hero with no spaces.blogspot.com.